I'm Ben Clunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. We're two entrepreneurial professionals based in Spokane, Washington. Join us on our journey to make 2019 the most prosperous of our lives. We'll bear all as we strive to improve all aspects of our business and our health and fitness, as well as our relationships personally and professionally. We aim to offer impactful insight into our business and personal lives. We'll share the good, the bad, and the ugly throughout our journey. With the ultimate goal of our business and fitness being in the best shape of our lives at the close of 2019. You are listening to the Ordinary to Extraordinary Podcast. We figured we'd bullshit a little bit and then get into the actual, the, the, the non-naughty but, part. But we are recording right now. We are recording, okay. so we'll have some... Well, I don't care. Yeah, I, I'm immune. I, I don't work. I don't report to anybody. If this I couldn't tell by the Kleenex sweatshirt you were wearing. Yeah, if this will if this will further your cause to have me talk to you, I'll say anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> These two sons of bitches are the smartest bastards I have ever seen. You want your roof done right? Call these two guys you up. The roof done right. I don't know. Are you <laughs> guys? I don't know. Oh uh, well, well, we got an hour, so yeah, no, we might not. not nearly enough time. No, that's no. not nearly no. enough time. No, I've spent a lot of time in that office there, though. Yes, you have, and it's uh, pretty much the same. It's a little, <laughs> a little stripped down because we're selling this house. So that's moving, huh? Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Well, I'll tell you, I, I know I'm moving because you remember Sue. Oh, yeah. Okay, Sue has moved, I think. You know, she pretends like she's visiting the cottage and the kids, but I'm pretty good. If you can cook it at 400 degrees on a cookie sheet with a piece of tinfoil on it with olive oil, I can eat it. That's, <laughs> that's how I survive. I can cook pork chops, fish, asparagus. Where is this cottage? Uh, it's a new house, actually. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with the Midwest, but in Michigan. Uh, we have a, it was a summer home on a little inland lake that hooks into Lake Michigan, but cool. I tore it down last year. And uh, the the cool part, Ben, is Sue's dad is 91. He's still alive and he's an architect. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And he comes from the Frank Lloyd Wright, uh, Alden B. Dow School of uh, Prairie Style um, Drafting. So he designed for his daughter, my wife, the house of her dreams. Awesome. I know. So my only That's two requirements special. was, you know, to have an outdoor shower and a shitter. I'm happy. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's get it on. There you go. A beer fridge, maybe you're good to go. Well, there's a whole guy. There's a beer fridge out in the shed has now become, um, it's actually hut. become an actual structure. So it has a roof running water, everything, but that, oh, that will be beer there. Yeah. So, so selling this house, moving into the cottage permanently. I'm selling this house, moving to Michigan permanently. Well, I'd never say permanently, but <laughs> semi-permanently for a while. You know, I uh, and Steve knows. To me, this this structure, this house, it's just an address. It's an asset, uh, and uh, it had great value when we were raising Ben and Sarah. It's a phenomenal place to live. As as Steve knows, Wausau, Wisconsin is really, it's not unique, but it's typical. It's a typical Midwest town, you know, where if you want to try and do something, God bless you, you 
can take a swing at it. But our kids are gone. All our friends are gone. You know, Art, Rick, all those guys have all left town. So we're we're basically going to fold up the door on the uh, schoolhouse and, and get out of here and join. Yeah. Start the next generation. Of kids all right. Here. Yep. Let's so do it. What we're going to do. We're going to we're going to actually get going. We've got all this bullshitting, but. Please, please, please stay as candid as you always are. I don't expect anything else. Yeah, I was like, I don't think he knows how so, to do um, anything else. No, exactly. <laughs> Sue's so, so biggest fear is out. I would call that she would allow me to run for public office. And I uh-huh. think, I think uh, she goes, you'd have to watch what you say. I said, well, I won't fucking do it. I mean, you know, I want to stand in front of a crowd and they, and this is what you get. And if they like it, they vote for you. And if they don't, that's okay. Yeah. That's the way it should be, but yeah. unfortunately, think, it's not. Anyway, let's rock and roll. You guys got you got things. My schedule is pretty open, so I'll be around <laughs> all day. Yeah. So we are here with Mark Smith today, Ben and I. So we're actually doing this. This is our first time doing a recording remotely. So Mark's in Wausau, Wisconsin currently, and Ben and I are in Spokane, Washington. So just a little preface, if there's any issues with the uh sound with our audio yeah it's just because we tried this one on the fly well i can add to that if there's any problem with the audio uh this i have lived in wisconsin long enough to really start getting a very severe cheesehead accent (laughs) and and sometimes microphones don't pick that up so i'll try to talk slow and plain like noose (laughs) Caster English, but if you get me excited, don't you know, eh? It's gonna take a crap, and you can't understand a word he says, eh? <laughs> Are you Canadian too? <laughs> what, what, uh, yeah, I, I was. That's another story. I, <laughs> All right, my partner is Canadian. I can hang in can, Canada. Oh, yeah. can let's uh, let's start at the start. So, who are you? What have you done? How do you know me? Oh my gosh, that's a fun question. Who am I? Mark Smith. Uh, what have I done? Well, I think professionally, I've lived the American dream. I was able to um, start a business, go nearly bankrupt, not go bankrupt, succeed, uh, buy another company. Uh, and then uh, the, the journey involved Chicago, Atlanta. We started selling uh, both domestically and internationally. But to me, the fun part was we had, uh, I had two partners, there were three of us. We invested everything we owned into buying some used uh, pots and pans equipment down in Chicago. Um, And we started selling industrial chemicals to the pulp paper industry, which in spite of ourselves, we succeeded. Uh, Bought another chemical company in Atlanta, ended up with uh, two full plants, uh, employees 24-7. All of the um, headaches that come with starting a business, growing a business, getting it to a mid-sized business. And then we had the joy of finding somebody who liked it enough to write a check. And God bless him, the check didn't bounce. And uh, so here I am. <laughs> yeah. So I, have, uh, I went from 90, Steve, I went from 97 bucks in 1991 to my name. And I got two kids. I got a house. I got a car. I got a wife that's just about ready to kill me, but I think God bless Sue. Uh, I think they they trusted me, and I and I trusted myself. And uh, long story short, now we have more than ninety seven bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And we don't know. You'd have to ask Sue. I, Steve, I don't know. I, so, don't, I, I don't get involved. I tried paraphrasing this for Ben, and you can step in anytime that I might be offline. But as I understand it, when people are making paper, it generates a lot of foam. Oh my and gosh. you yep. and the guys developed a silicone based product that oh, you're pretty good. eliminated the foam in the factories, made it cleaner, more sanitary, more safe for workers. Am I wrong, right? On the you're, you're pretty darn good. Um, my background is engineering, paper engineering. I went to Western Michigan University. Uh, so I understand the pulp paper process really well. Uh, I'm also um, not afraid to ask for an order, not afraid to stand in front of people and talk. Uh, and so my background was always sales and marketing. And uh, you add that together, we started in 91, as Steve said, with a company that we made uh, deformers, it's not uh, anything that is novel. There's lots of deformers made. We were able to develop um, custom products, silicone-based, non-silicone-based, uh, and we could custom make that for our customers here in the Midwest. Hmm. Uh, and the ability to just customize on-site, because I would do the testing. My partner, Bob, would, would do the lab work, and my partner, Jack, would come with me, who was an old pulp mill guy. And that, that formula, you know, custom building, uh, custom products for pulp paper mills uh, resonated. Uh, and so we expanded from there into the food, into a variety of the paint. Uh, what you find is a lot of industries generate a lot of foam. Uh, the pulping process is notorious for making foam. Uh, to continue along that line, if you're interested, we I formed a joint venture with a company out of Connecticut. They made custom air monitoring equipment that was actually used, uh, developed in the, uh, in the North Sea to test the uh, amount of uh, gas in oil that they were pumping out of the bottom of the ocean on those oil rigs. Uh, and that gas void fraction, I figured out, well, we could use that in a, in a pulp paper mill pretty good. So that led to a lot of fun. And then we decided to wonder if that works in food, and it did. So uh, we started selling into Cargill and a lot of the big uh, food companies. So a lot of fun, uh, very nimble, very, very small company. And so, yes, yeah, Steve, that's pretty good. We basically, we bust bubbles uh, among other things. And, I paid attention. We actually have a, a paper mill here in Spokane and I can still smell it when I drive by it. I think of you oh, every day. Stinks, yeah. Oh, that stinks. Yeah. I'll tell you what I've been in that. I've been in that mill. What you're smelling is the pulp mill. Uh, and, um, that's the craft process. It's a German chemistry, but uh, actually, there's some uh, sulfur uh, in in the chemistry used to. If you think of a tree as a bunch of bricks with mortar around the, the bricks, the trick is to get the mortar off the bricks without wrecking the bricks. Uh, mm -hmm. And that mortar is called lignin, and lignin uh, is broken down. And one of the best chemicals is a sulfur-based product. They're very small amounts, but it turns out the human nose is incredibly um, susceptible to picking up that rotten egg stench. And I'll tell you, Mosinia, Wisconsin, that smell still permeates, and everybody there was born and raised with that odor. And you ask anybody from Mosinia right now, and they'll tell you it smells like money. Because it's like money. It's jobs. Yep, yeah. Okay. Money. But yeah, it's... Well, there's a, a lot of work cleaning the you know air hoods and stuff, but 
Yeah. And that's the reason that that's the smell they add to natural gas. Natural gas doesn't have a smell, but the human nose. Oh, yeah, you bet. You can pick so, that one up. Uh, I yeah, think you miss that. That's, God developed that smell uh, from uh, guys eating too many pickled eggs and drinking beer. Oh, geez. We've, we've that one in a boat. I've seen it travel mm -hmm. across the water and then knock a guy out of a fishing boat, you know, 20 feet away. It's yeah. just that peculiar smell. Not saying Steve has a lot of it, but uh, hey, I fish and fart like the best. Like the best. <laughs> I, I put it on a tee for you. All you have to do is hit. All you got to do is hit. <laughs> we need a little humor on our podcast. Uh, so you said you started the company in 1991. Yes, with uh, two other partners. Two guys. Yep. And then, how did you decide on the partners? Were you guys working together at a firm prior and decided we should do this on our own? The one guy was. I was an independent sales rep. Uh, and the one guy was a chemist for a company that we had actually, uh, I didn't do it, but it, it burned down <laughs> and, uh, but I, but it, I really didn't. And I'll swear on a Bible. I didn't do it, but it somehow it burned down. The two guys running that God bless them. Uh, I, I thought for the five years I sold their products. If those two numb nuts can make the profit, run a business, I don't want to be 65 sitting in a rocking chair. Wish I'd have tried that. So that was the entire thought process. And when they burned it down, so you know what? Now's a good time as any. So we helped them get up and running. And I went in after a year and I said, I, I'm glad you had a record year and I want a you know, piece of some ownership. And they said, thanks for the help. No. I said, I'll see you later. So we started our own company in that field, in that industry. Uh, a no non-compete, no non-solicits back then, huh? No, we had them, so we could not go back right to the customers that we had had uh, with products that we had made. Uh, and and uh, what I learned is judges like a fair fight. They don't like cheaters. So yeah. we abided by our non-competes with respect to time and geography. And when that time and geography uh, expired, uh, now it's open season. But, yeah, we really had to look at industries uh, – which led to being down to 97 bucks at one point. You know. What year was that again? 91, the year we started. The year you started. So that, what was what did the growth trajectory look like for the company? Like ship, you kidding me? Really? But, yeah, what you learn is that it's easy to look impressive when you start at zero. I remember yeah. thinking at one point, if we ever get to $100,000 in sales a month, that'd be spectacular. Well, that, that was basically a good couple of days towards the end there but yeah yeah so with a small crew with a small staff uh the percent increases look good and as you add um costs uh, actually you add assets you add employees you add plants you add equipment uh, as you start adding that you get into these plateaus which are then a challenge See, I love the business side of it all. So I'll just grill. We can play like 20 questions and I could just grill John with like, or Mark with 20 questions. I would love that. And maybe another podcast. No, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's a classic American dream. I mean. So tell me year one, you, you can tell me you don't want to share this. What were your oh, revenues year one and how many employees did you have? And then in year one, oh my gosh, in year, year one, I would say we had three, we didn't have any employees it was us the three of us yeah yeah and uh i would say our revenue i i actually have the books from year one that'd be a fun one to look up but yeah. they're they're hard typed um uh they're they're awesome 
um, memories. Oh my God, I I think we we probably broke even. Um, it's pretty good year one. Was, well, we didn't get a full year, but I would say we we incorporated in April. So if we will April to April, I'll bet you we break even. But that that's because uh, as owners, we you know we put all of our yeah, you didn't you know, take anything. Basically, went bankrupt to get started, and then you didn't take anything out. Oh my God! And and we, <laughs> I think it's sad that lump banks don't. They're they're so anti uh, small business right now. It's very difficult to the way we got our loan. My God, Doc, that's not permitted anymore. Yeah, it's called hard money now. That's it's impossible money. We we went through five banks, and I'll tell you, after the first three, my job was to see how dirty I could get their freaking shoes, show them around our plant because I knew they'd say no, you bastards. I, why are you coming in here? You're not. But the one that finally did, we stayed with that bank through everything yeah. to the point where yeah. we didn't need money, and they tried to lend us money. No, we had no debt when we sold our business. No debt. Awesome. Sure. That's how many years did you own it for? From '91 until 2014, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the paper um, thing tried in 2015, but yeah, 2014. Let's talk about how you got creative in the process. So when you guys were close to selling, you decided that there were some assets that you were prepared to take in lieu of cash. Right? Oh my gosh! Yeah. So now, um, there were three partners. One guy, Jack, uh, was a Canadian fella. Uh, unfortunately, Jack passed away before uh, we sold our business, but we had taken out mm. uh, insurance policies, uh, cross-sell by purchase policies. Yeah. So that that was used to uh, buy his shares back to the company. Uh, and when that happened, I went from one of three owners with no majority shareholder to a minority owner. And, and my partner, Bob, you never want to go into business with a guy you're afraid to hurt his feelings. So <laughs> we were not afraid to hurt each other's feelings. And we both had a real prick for a partner. Uh, and so it, it didn't, the writing on was on the wall. We needed to sell the company uh, really for the employees and because we, we were dysfunctional. Uh, <laughs> you wanted cash. I said, I don't give a shit how we sell it. You know, so long story short, <laughs> Uh, nobody wanted the real estate, the two plants. And uh, so we're stuck and I'm walking around Chicago with my son, Ben, that's, that Steve knows. And I'm dealing with the broker and I said, well, Cliff, how about if I take the plants? Well, yeah. I said, Ben, let's get a coffee. Get a coffee. Think about it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take them. That's so instead of cash, I, I took the two assets in lieu of cash. Uh, so now I'm selling them. Well, I sold the Chicago plant. Um, on a phone message. I, I thank God Sue checked the messages. And then uh, Atlanta plant, uh, we got a good offer on that. No, we, we were gone all summer and there's 45 freaking messages on the machine. I said, Get, delete that, Sue. She listened to every one of them. In the middle of them was a guy, hey, I see you own this piece of property in Chicago. You want to sell it? Hell yeah, save that one. So Save that one. Yeah, no broker, no nothing. and. I said, I love real estate. Jesus, you go on vacation, a guy gives you a lot of money. I'm doing it. 
Well, you're, you're downplaying it a little bit, but there was obviously some foresight. So the two locations, one's Midtown Atlanta, which is super up and coming, oh and the other God, one, Mundelein, Chicago area, Mundelein, right? Illinois is just across the Lake Cook line. Uh, when we when we initially we leased that space and we bought it, uh, it was farm fields when we started. Uh, mm. But as the city of Chicago spread, um, you, you would not recognize that area. And uh, yeah, so it, it wasn't going to decrease in value. And somebody, uh, a developer in there was looking at commercial real estate when we put it on the market and it didn't sit there very long. Hmm. So, And I think the same in, in Midtown, to be honest with you, um, when that plant was built back in the 40s, Midtown was quite a ways out of town. But now uh, I tell everybody the best way to describe our it's called the Nottingham Company, the plant site. But the best way to describe that is a big zit on the homecoming queen's forehead. And no, nobody wants that baby there. And uh, I'm more than happy to say it's all gentrified around me. And then there's this nasty ass chemical plant. It's, <laughs> it's abandoned. I mean, it's no, they moved out. Well, they were happy to pop that zit. Well, I, I'm, well, I'll tell you, somebody's, and they got a nice, Nice pair of tweezers, the expensive tweezers they're going to use, and they can have it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure that, I mean, I'm sure you taking the properties is what allowed that sale to go through, though, too. It had to. We were stuck. Yeah. You know, the guy buying us, Jim uh, Athens, they didn't, they didn't want the real estate. He had, I think, four or five plants already. We fit in with what he was doing. And, he was uh, merging you in, huh? Yeah, so you you know, I mean, something's got to give. They, but God bless him, he was the only guy that knocked on our door and said he'd keep our employees, which he did. Cool. Because uh, I was in. How many employees did you say at the right? end? At the How end, I think employees? there's about almost seventy. Uh, okay. If you add the two plants up, around that number, uh, three shifts, um, you know, seven days a week. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the fun stuff. So here's here's a concept here. And I've already talked to you about it, but for the people that are going to listen or whatever they do with this when they put it on their phone, um, we uh -oh. interviewed each other, Ben and I, and it was fun. But now we want to give some historical context into our growth. So I've known you for 15 years. I don't know if you know that. Oh, I listened point. to your I listened to your last episode. Yeah, I wish I yeah. my notes are over in the kitchen, but yeah. So you're lucky because I, I was gonna pick on you, but run and grab them. I enjoy you it. Do you mind? Oh um, my god, I'll be right back. We'll get them. We can edit, we can record, <laughs> we can edit, yeah. Take that out. All right, so yeah, the concept here is that we're going to give some historical concept, talk about some of our growth, what you thought 15 years ago versus now, and, yeah. and we're going to do this with Ben uh, about, and his boss, About you. About me. Um, but you, you can tell us what you think of Ben as well. Most people think he's a wanker, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know him well enough, but yeah, I, 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 I kind of, <laughs> a wanker. Watch it. Oh, so, oh, watch it. You're Let's, getting old. I'll find you. I'll break your hip. I think we've both probably I got a different, new hip. Go ahead. It's titanium. I got a new hip. Yeah. <laughs> I do. We probably both have different perceptions here, but uh, 15 years ago, and I, and I talked about this in my interview, I was supposed to go back to the Northeast, and then Paul Faubert and Alex Wake called me and said, hey, do you want to go to Wisconsin? And I'm like, sure. Where is it? <laughs> and I showed up on your doorstep so a month later. Uh, talk about, you know, Perfect. Did you live with Mark's family? Yeah. I mean, it, I, you know, I heard that name, Alex Wake, and I, 
that reminded me, you know, we, we were, I especially was very involved with uh, youth sports, hockey and soccer. Um, but as Steve knows, I've got some good friends in town, um, Art Yedis and Rick Gehring, that, that uh, their kids are about our kids, you know, Sue and my kids, about the same age. We've known each other. We grew up together. We watched them go from throwing a football in an alley downtown Wausau to starting a sh shoe store out of the back of their station wagon to, you know, put photo shoots downtown. And they're just a phenomenal success story. Mm -hmm. So now uh, Art's got a daughter. They, they, he decides he needs better soccer coaching. I'm always a big fan of that. So I'm, I'm not sure how we found Alex Wake, if we'd been running some challenger sports camps prior to that. But somehow, you know, Art calls up and he says, hey, I, I, got, this, uh, I got this idea. And uh, let's see if we can get a real coach because none of us knew what we were doing. So they, we couldn't find a real one, but Alex found Steve, which was, you know, <laughs> as far as we knew, that was a real coach. And He's uh, got a cool accent, if nothing else. Oh, the, the, the accent was hot, I can tell you. Uh, my house was ground zero for both the Challenger sports soccer coaches and the uh, Planet Hockey uh, hockey coaches. You want to have – and Sue would be gone. So Sue's at the lake. I got a house full. One year it was the camp through the same time. So my basement is full of drunk, God knows what country they're from, hockey coaches. And upstairs, I got a bunch of British guys. And you talk about two different universes. One guy was talking about a boot. The other one didn't speak English. And, you know, the hockey coach, oh, my God. We had more fun. But anyway, so Steve shows up. We interview him. I said, hey, grab the guy, man. I mean, guy's an answer to a prayer. And – uh yeah, so I mean, but you know, in, uh, in all honesty, Steve, uh, everybody here, everybody that worked with you, uh, I know it's not a. Everybody was impressed, uh, and uh, we we re I sent you those videos of that soccer complex in Wausau. Now I was that's the first time I've been over there uh, since it, it fired up. You know, I I was involved in a couple early gyrations of that. We heard a lot of no's. Anyway. I'd moved away from soccer, but I, I was, I went to church, I had breakfast and then it dawned on me, hey, there's a soccer tournament. So I drove down there. Steve, that is easily the most impressive Midwest soccer complex. You could play on those pitches barefoot. It is pristine, pristine. But uh, I don't think a lot of that would have happened if you hadn't come into town and helped us um, get soccer off to a good start. It's God's honest truth. You know, we, we went from your guidance to uh, what changed. Uh, <laughs> we understood what the game was about, how to coach it, how to make it fun for the kids. How, and and um, any coach, good coaching clinic will tell you passion and enthusiasm are caught, not taught. And all you had to do is look at Steve and look at the fun he was having coaching these kids. And, you know, there, there's your model right there. Plus, he knew what he was doing and he had a cool accent. And all the kids <laughs> loved him. So none of that hurt. One of the things that I always point to about Wausau is that there were two very, very distinct demographics. There was rich kids and there was poor kids. Oh, and I was, yeah. I was yeah. paid for by someone who's fairly wealthy to come there and coach some of the rich kids, so to speak. Yeah. So to speak. And after Nothing about, wrong with that. I mean, you know, they, 
they needed help. So yeah. Yeah. after about a week, Mark takes me out to this group of my team. My yeah, ragamuffin monks. Yeah. High school boys. So they've got a huge Hmong population in central Wisconsin. So the Hmong. H-M-O-U-N-G. Oh, yeah. So they're the, the, the boat people, the people that helped in, yeah. in Vietnam. So yeah. they've been uprooted, brought to central Wisconsin. <laughs> These kids are the first generation kids to speak English. Parents don't speak a word of it. They usually work oh. They work overtime, 80, 90 hour weeks to get minimum wage, bring it home, feed their family. And we've got these kids that don't have shoes, don't have shin guards, barely. You start talking insurance and player cards and. Oh, no. no. Birth certificates, none. They were born in internment camps in Laos or someplace. Yeah. Wow. So, so Mark and I were like, these are the kids we want to work with. You bet. I don't want to work with this stuck up rich coach that thinks he knows more than me and he's never kicked a ball in anger. I want to I, work with I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a lawyer. Well, yeah, we will, yeah, yeah, yep, correct. What is it to say? Once I'm president, Please. first thing we do is kill all the lawyers. I got that. Where's that? Where's my coffee? Yeah, I got that on a plaque someplace. Anyway. I got that on a co- Where's my coffee go? Where's it? Was break that? Yeah, no. Beyond no, anything, exactly right, Steve. Yeah, I mean, we we uh, at least in my case, I. I played a lot of men's soccer here, and I'll tell you, I hated playing against the monks. They were fearless, and they, they and they were just great athletes, great fun, great family values. Uh, and I was a little uh, put off by our our community's inability to welcome. Soccer's the number one game on the planet, and we got entire kids that are playing with no nets, no fields, no, but playing with a passion for the game. And I thought we. As Steve knows, we need to involve those kids. It's a great way to mesh the communities together. It's a great way for the monks mm-hmm. to, to learn about my kids. I'll tell you, Mike, Ben, and Corey, and Carl, they learn more from to her about value than, than oh, we would take to her. He'd never had a McDonald's, never stayed in a hotel, never slept in a bed. Was that one of the players on yeah. the kids? Yes, yeah, to her. Yeah, he, he was uh, – he was on our team, and uh, fast forward to her, uh, was co-captain of the of the soccer team with our son Ben, uh, great friends, and uh, to her was actually the homecoming king at Wasso West. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which which was unheard of five oh, six years well, earlier. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's all due to uh, soccer and Steve and kids and oh not uh, me the well, game. You helped, you know. I mean, you you were part of that whole early infancy that. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I think uh, you never know what, when you throw a rock in a pond where the ripple goes, but look what's happened. Truly. What yeah, I learned good... from you more than anything, though, Mark, was um, to pick my battles because I was always in, I was always in fight mode. So I would have people yeah. Yeah. would tell me, you can't do that, or, hey, here's how we teach soccer around here, and I'm like, get off my field. Like, no, I <laughs> soccer, and... Um, yeah, you were a little harsh on the edges. I'll give you that. But <laughs> I'd, I'd rather have you that way than a wood. That hasn't changed, Mark. That, yeah. That hasn't changed. Oh, but, I mean, yeah, I think um, learning – I learned a lot. Like, I think we're both a little harsh around the edges when we're having fun. Oh, but no you, what you taught me was how to switch it up, how to how to catch more flies with honey, so to speak. Oh, absolutely right. you gotta you got to pick which way you're ready to die on and. Um, and I yeah, wanted to fix everything right away. 
yeah. I, I was more of the long haul, you know, eventually. Well, I looked at it. Uh, eventually, you're going to do it my way. It's just going to take a while. <laughs> so let's. Um, and and you, would, you, you would hear that and just want to kill them. So let's. Uh, well, here we go. Bit, Did you learn from your wife on that one? Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So eventually, you're going to do it my way. It just might take a little longer. We're selling this damn house and we're moving to the cottage. Oh, there's no, yeah, that's not debatable. That's done, <laughs> done. So I'm waiting for the sign. Where is it? Yeah. So that's okay, though. I, you and I talk regularly now, um, and there's been spells where we haven't talked, but we always yeah. shoot each other messages. Memorial yeah. Day, obviously, when oh, you guys coming up, coming um, up. But I know that you've kind of monitored. So I guess again, we're looking for historical context, like growth or what you've seen. Now yeah. that you know me versus what I was at 22 years old when I showed up on your doorstep. So can you give some some background on that? I think a little bit. Uh, and uh, I think uh, as, I, as I've gone through life, you, you start to realize um, some people have an attitude they can do it. Some people have an attitude I can't do it. Um, and Steve, early on, you had that attitude I can uh, and I'm not sure where that comes from, but I noticed you had strong family values. You always talk about your mom and dad and talk about your brothers. You talk about your nieces. Um, but I think part of that is in your DNA. And what that leads to is uh, somebody along the way taught you the value of time. Uh, and, and by that, I mean, uh, for instance, you can... One of the greatest uh, tests they've decided on uh, a child's future, are they going to succeed or not, is do they understand the value of time? Hmm. Uh, and so they call it the marshmallow test. And, and uh, they'll, they'll tell a, you know, a young child, say a seven, eight-year-old kid, uh, would you like a marshmallow right away or would you like two marshmallows tomorrow? And the test is simply if the kid says, I'll take one right away, that person doesn't understand that if they wait a day, they could have two. And I got the sense that Steve had that characteristic. It was a little rough around the edges, but he was willing to invest his time, his energy, uh, because he knew there was something better out there. And I, I remember, uh, you know, Steve was very engaged with the soccer club, but he was doing something with his buddies back home. He was ordering booze or something. He had things going all the time. Which to me said, this kid's driven, uh, he's a little unfocused, uh, he realizes in this country there's no, no reason not to try it. Uh, this is one of the only places where you can fail and it's not fatal. You can, you know, if you yeah. want to get up and try, try it again. And so I think Steve uh, represents that. Uh, he's obviously done well. Where he's gone, he doesn't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nobody knows. You kidding? Come on. Yeah. Oh my God. I like that. I like he that. doesn't know. Yeah. No, but you're going somewhere. You know, you, you're going to. And Ben, I'll bet you're the same way. You, you, everybody. Many people fail because they're just afraid to start. Take that step. And, and the guy that says, you know what? I, I'm confident I can get that one step done. That's all it takes. Well, that's they don't even give them chance, the chance to fail. Yeah, yeah, you're not afraid to fail. There's no failure if you don't get, if, if you don't, if you get back up, you didn't fail. And there's always no if you don't ask. Oh, 
oh, I like you already. Right. Got to ask. In my in my world, no, Matt, not right now. You know, you're gonna buy it from me some point. Why get? Why why have me harass you for another week? Just say yes now. Get it over with. <laughs> I'm not going away. Tell yeah. some of my prospects that. Yeah. Sure. Got a phone number? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when I realized I liked Mark was, I mean, right off the bat, I get there and he's like, hey, what are you doing? Do you want a beer? Sure. <laughs> and then we go down to this little setup he's got. And oh, he's he tapped all the maple trees on his property and gotten all this sap. And he's got it in this big vat with a huge fire underneath that we sat for three days. Every Maybe like burning down Where that sap. Yeah, boiling water. Yeah. There was probably I would say twenty-five to thirty gallons of sap. And we got oh like six gosh. jars of maple syrup out six of it. Six jars. <laughs> well now I do uh I got I pour a pad down there, Steve. It's called Sapa Valley North. Um I got a regular boiler down there. I tap 40 trees, I get 40 gallons of sap a day. 40 gallons of sap makes one gallon of syrup. <laughs> Sue and I and my buddy Joe do that for about two weeks. And then we yeah. bottle it up and it's good fun. Oh, it's then, a riot. Yeah. So riot. I was hurt. Make a little bourbon. Remember when I came. Bit. So you you had just had reconstructive surgery on your knee. You had an ACL reconstruction, correct? The yeah, I an ACL, yeah. Yeah. So you were going through rehab for that. When I showed oh, up. That's right. All right, we we still yeah. hold the record at that clinic for the what was yep. that thing where you give it the juice? Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to tell this story. So <laughs> I, my ankle is destroyed. This was the worst injury I ever had until recently. Um, yeah. I show up with a really bad ankle. Like it's just all my ligaments and soft tissue is damaged. No bone damage though. So I'm hobbling around, and Mark goes, "Hey." He goes, I'm going, I'm going to the chiropractor. You want to come with me? So I, I hop in and he introduces me to this guy. This is why I believe in chiropractic to this day. And this kind of gets to the fitness side. So this guy was like president of the American Chiropractic Association. His son's just a stud. He was doing balance exercises to build core muscle before anybody even thought of it. And he starts my ankle. He's like, you're going to come back and see me three, four times a week. So, all right, so Mark gets his adjustment. We both get back in the car, and he goes, well, now I'm going to rehab. You want to come with me? So then I end up in this rehab I'm in the clinic. car. Like, what are I? End up in a rehab hey, clinic. You with me. And what type of rehab? Maybe we should clarify. Well, for a uh, sports injury. Okay, just making sure it wasn't some other type of <laughs> rehab. So well, they made the mistake yeah. of scheduling you and I at the same time all the time. Of course. And we basically would be having we'd be on these little um what would you call them like stools running around like not allowed to stand up we'd race each other the, the girls just thought we were lunatics and then they would hook us both up to the electrical stimulation machine oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. right yeah, yeah. so what would we yeah. do we'd hand the controls to each other and i'd turn his all the way up and he'd turn mine all the way up and oh, God, you're literally like your whole leg is just Oh no, no, I, I, I run, I run into that guy. Uh, he since sold that business, but uh, he says you two lunatics still hold the record for whatever that. Uh, <laughs> you know, you could just crank it up, and just oh my god, your your feet would just be quivering. You know, no, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But that's oh, the other. Man. So again, one of the other massive takeaways that I've, I always attribute to you, Mark, is it's okay to have fun wherever you go and whatever you do, and it's okay to be nice it's to people while you're doing it. 
Yeah. It's not fun. I'm not going. No. You know. You, uh, yeah, I think uh, your attitude is 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 really the only thing you you can control. And uh, I decided a long time ago I'm having a great day. And uh, there's, there's, I guarantee you, there's nothing you can do to change that. And uh, I figured out God gives all of us the ability to put a smile on somebody's face every day. That'd be your your own face. Your job's go out and share it. And mm -hmm. uh, you'd be stunned what an impact that, well, Steve knows, if you just put a smile on your face and say hi, you can go into a bar in the UP and end up on stage singing. Yeah. <laughs> and serving beer behind the bar. Do you remember that there. night? Like, I just walked behind the bar and said, I'm going to start serving drinks and nobody cared. No, it was perfect. I got pictures of it if you want to see them. Oh, geez. <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyhow, we've got, we've got 15 more minutes. That's all. So to bring story time back around here, uh, I'm the boring one of the two. No, I'm the I, guy. I don't know. You, anytime you're willing to sit that close to that guy, you're not boring. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no boring there. Let's just pretend that I'm the boring one. Then we'll just okay, pretend. Sure. Yeah. Okay. But so, well, and I'm the one that will ask the, the more business-related questions, where Stephen will bullshit for half an I hour. I love the business questions. Oh my gosh. So, and I, I'm forgetting what my business question was going to be. That's all right. I'll help you out here. I already so, asked those. What did you <laughs> Oh, no. My, my question was going to be, so you said you were sales and development side of the business, right? right. You, were out there, you were boots on the ground guy. Yes, correct. Any particular techniques or anything that you utilized in sales or things that you found or interesting stories that you would share that you think shed light for those listeners who might be uh, in a similar spot that you guys were? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I think uh, in uh Obviously, I went to. I, I started off working for a big company which no longer exists, American Cyanamid. I worked for Specialty Chemical Nelco. So, as a byproduct of being in those um, corporate sales force, you end up going to seminars, uh, things that are designed to uh, whatever the current uh, wave of thinking is: uh, need satisfaction. Uh, what what do they want? Uh, there's there's lots of schools, but I remember. Uh, I read something and it was Henry Ford talking about uh, what makes a good salesperson. Hmm. And, and Henry Ford's analysis was succinct. It was beautiful. It's easy to understand, but it's also as complex an answer. Uh, 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 you, you may never figure it out, but it, his response was uh, to be a good salesman, you just need to be a good man. And I took that to heart. You need to be honest. You need to be sincere. So all those characteristics that go into making now not just a man, but a good person. You know, a good. Yeah. Um, do you show up on time? Do you do what you say you're going to do? Are you honest? Do you tell the truth? Those are simple things, but many people stray from that. You know, they'll misrepresent what they can do. Or God, there's so much pressure in the marketplace that sometimes the weak uh, succumb to that. And they, they cheapen themselves because of that. And I never, I, I got fired because I wouldn't do some things. But, yeah, I could sleep at night. You know, I was fine with that. Yeah. Huh. I like it. So That's just good. be a good person. Uh, yeah. And all that that involves, Ben. Yeah. Well, and that applies. I mean, that's just that's sales, right? But that's every aspect of, of life and business. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're a good person, we always say it's like don't try to probably pull the wool over people's eyes either because they can tell when you're being genuine or not. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell, you know, you know what you're doing. And, um, 
just from the little bit we've talked, you know, you have a sincere nature, you have an honest nature, and I will guarantee you when you make a cold call to somebody, they're comfortable speaking with you because you're not there to bullshit them or sell them something they don't need, but you need to develop a dialogue. And uh, many of my best friends are people that I, I know from old paper mills, uh, great ski friends, great cool. social friends. They're friends uh, that I did business with as, as it developed. Yep. So that leads us, that's a really good question too. So it's like, I grew up in a family business and it seems like as the owners of the business, you spend a lot of time, I mean, the business becomes your identity to some degree, right? Because right? you're very wrapped up in the company. You spend a lot of time with your partners, your employees, your clientele base. Uh, how did you balance all that? I think uh, to me, the, the balancing act was, um, I, I will do whatever I need to do to succeed because that, that is the most important thing I can do for, for my family, for my kids, for the employees, for the business. Uh, and I'm not sure uh, if you would call that balance, but I think where the balance comes in is you also need to protect yourself. You know, and at some point you, you say, hey, I, I got to tap out right now. I can't. I can't go this hard, this fast, this long. Um, yeah. But in my case, uh, I didn't. I never looked at it that I, I had to conquer the world. All I knew is I had to beat you. You know, and, 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 and so if I'm in a sales environment, I'm not looking at the big mill. I'm not looking at. I'm looking at who's my biggest competitor for that account for that business. Mm -hmm. I need to define. Uh, can I beat that? And how do I do that? So that mm -hmm. made it a very focused approach. Mm -hmm. But I think the other part we we appreciated about the, the business side of it, I'm sure your family felt the same. Uh, your number one asset goes home every day. And yeah. that's the employees. And our, I can still talk to uh, Nancy and Shelly and uh, Steve, the people that, were our, that, that worked with us at Performance Process, but we're also great friends. We share family pictures. We share stories. Um, so I think the balance comes in. Can you can you incorporate uh, shared values within that family values within that workplace? So it's not a, it's no longer um, dysfunction. It's, it's not a challenge. It's not uh, what's the word? Uh, there's balance here because you know that is that is your family. Balance is great. We we preach balance. We talk about. It. We find ourselves getting onto it when we don't even realize we're going to talk about balance. Yeah. So it's very important. Well, I think it's the underlying, I mean, it's like what creates every successful individual too, is like they have to have that balance. I mean, there, there's always the exception, but it seems like most people who are human <laughs> it's like have, to have that balance. I mean, there's the Elon Musks of the world, right? And there's those yeah. types of people. Yeah. But if, like, if for the average individual who's just trying to make a company and employ a few people type thing, it's like, you know, they have to have balance of work and the uh, things that are going to fulfill them outside of work too. But yeah, I think the it's interesting you talked about. You know, everybody looks at the the unicorns, the the one in a million that come along the success stories. But you know, eighty percent of the businesses in the United States are small business. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, Ben, if you look at who's starting a small business, uh, and I really don't care. Uh, you know, don't want to name names, but the person starting that business is the one guy that says, or girl that says, I can. Mm -hmm. And that sounds simplistic, but 
they have enough self-confidence to whatever the game throws at them, whatever the situation is, they know they can deal with it. I can, I can do that. And mm-hmm. that's the difference between somebody succeeding and not. They're going to, it's one letter T I can, or I can't. Uh, well, and then we've always said is, is grit too. It's like once they take the leap is realizing it's going to be hell for the first five years. I, I, I thought about that, uh, you know, listening to some of your earlier podcasts and, I think your attitude determines if it's hell or not. You know, I mean, That's a good in, point. in hindsight, looking back, I can't believe we made it. I can't believe we did it. But it, but at the time, that it wasn't hard. It was just what we had to do. It's something you had to do. But you're also very much, Mark, you're grateful for what you do have, not what you don't have. Holy and, mackerel. And I've you get a good spot there, gratitude. I'm the most grateful yeah. guy you, you will ever meet. Yep. I've quoted you, like when people say, how's your day? Best goddamn day of my life. You You're talk right. I, I got that. I borrowed that from a, a snappy looking guy at an airport in Atlanta. We were in the men's room. The guy was de- decked right out. And I just couldn't take it. I said, how's it going, man? He goes, best goddamn day of my life. I said, I'm taking that. I want that. <laughs> I'm taking that. I want that. I have used so that. You got that while you were standing at a urinal next to another dude? Well, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, amazing who you meet. If, uh, yeah, oh, a guy was. I've met some great, great people in bathrooms. <laughs> just <laughs> tapping your shoe underneath yeah. the stall. Just yeah, waiting. yeah. Uh. So, Mark, we haven't talked yet about your health and fitness lifestyle. So, you are, I, I, I'm going to, I forget how old you are. I'm going to say early 60s. 65. Um, just turned 65. Hey, Medicare. Yeah. Yeah. I so made it. But I have never met a man who works out more consistently or harder than you. So we'll talk Team Ugly. You can talk about that in a second and what the concept is. But, I mean, you were working out hard even when you had your ACL reconstruction. You break yourself every few years just so you can have it. I mean, I'm rebuilding right now. I'm the Humpty Dumpty project eternally. God. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Talk about Team Ugly, what you do to keep fit, what your lifestyle is, how you eat, all that stuff. Yeah, I think uh, good good point. Um, but I know as, as you age, you know, you don't bounce back like you used to. So I've, I've moderated. Plus, uh, uh, I've had enough injuries that it, uh, we, we can talk about that, and that's a whole other episode. But uh, early on, uh, Team Ugly was my friend Tom and I in, in – uh, we used to run and that got boring. So we heard about this thing called a triathlon. And we thought, you know what? There's a great excuse to cross train. You can run, you can swim, you can bike. Uh, and uh, we became addicted to that type of a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And back then, uh, you know, we, we didn't have the, the technology as far as clothes, equipment, diet. But we started to realize you are what you eat. If you're going to put junk in, you're not going to get the performance you want out. Um, so, yeah, that led to a long career as a triathlete. Uh, but, yeah, I played a lot of court sports, played a lot of soccer, very active. Um, but I think, you know, as as you guys know, that God gave you this magnificent toy. I mean, it is the best plaything ever. And it's a gift. And, uh I always looked at it, you know, the day I die, when I go up before God and, and uh, he, he's going to say, what'd you do with that toy I gave you, Mark? And he's going to take one look at me and say, hey, you used the shit out of that thing. Come on in, you know, because the human body is the only thing that gets stronger with use. You know, so 
uh, motion is lotion. You have to use it, and you have to fuel it properly. And we've had the good fortune of uh, traveling in circles with people that, that do eat the right foods. Seuss is uh, as slim and trim as fanatic as when you matter, uh, Steve. Yeah. So we have, we a, have a cheeseburger every now and again and a beer, right? What's that? We have a cheeseburger and a beer every now and again, just oh, to yeah. balance it. You bet. You bet. Yeah. <laughs> I think that gets overplayed too. My gosh. It's keto this and it's carbs that. Then it's coffee's bad, coffee's good. There's that balance again. Yeah. You want to have a fun experience. Read the read about the um, Born to Run by Ian McDougall, I think is the guy. He talks about the Tarahumara Indians in the gold in the gold copper canyons in Mexico. Hmm. They, they just run. They're just active. It's a fact. They run barefoot. Basically, it's a fascinating um, look at uh, athletic accomplishment stripped right down. Yeah. You know, some of the world's most fittest running people you've ever seen, and they pay no attention. Well, there's they, um, Steve. They like this one. They have this one where they get drunk and then they run. <laughs> and I know you read the book now just to see if I'm. That's yeah. why you like it. But I don't believe in running unless there's a ball. I mean, probably the last time I ran regularly was when I lived there in Warsaw. I hate running, but yeah. I was doing it with you and Rick and Art. Because they got a ball and they kick it down the hill and they play it. This is, so this is Art, the, the guy that you lived with too, right? The the business owner? Art, yeah. yeah. So I had multiple host families in Warsaw. I got lived it. with Mark first and then I lived with Art and his family. And Art's the founder of East Bay, co-founder of East Bay. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Great story. So yeah. which house was more fun? Both houses were fun, just in different ways. <laughs> hey, Art, Art had better toys. Yeah, I, I, oh, and then, no, we had fun though, Mark. Oh, you um, and I, we had, we had guy fun. Yeah, we had. I still, so I, I carry a scar from you every day. I hit you with so, the lawnmower. Come on, we're mowing yeah, the fields so, to the south mountain. <laughs> I hit you with the lawnmower. I'm showing Ben my middle <laughs> finger here. You see that? Oh, yeah, it's bubbly. So Mark and I used to take his John Deere riding mower. Yeah. Down to the soccer yeah. fields. In there because the city wouldn't do it. The school wouldn't do it. Uh -huh. like, well, these kids need to play somewhere. We do it. Fields. So we had this trailer. So the deal was a <laughs> couple of morons. I would tilt it and he would I'd drive it on back and he would gun it on and I would put it down and I would hold yeah. it and he would go off and go and get the pin and put oh, the pin no. in. Well, this time. No, he, you can do the math, Ben. He thought he was falling back. So he hit the gas and comes forward and hits my hand. I felt it, but he gets off and puts a pin in, and then I realize there's blood on my leg. Oh, no. So I'm like, where is that from? And he goes, dude, look at your finger, and I look at yeah. my finger. You can see that scar. Yeah. Bone's broken. It's hanging off. Yeah. We fixed yeah. it. Took it to the shop. Fixed yeah, it. Yeah, we took it to the shop. A little duct tape, a little super glue. Yeah, you're okay. Yeah. It's a long way and, from and your heart. You're okay. Do you remember me just i had to change my shirt at the hospital because i sweated so hard because i had to put those big needles in i wasn't going to say anything about your <laughs> wussing out with the needles but i was embarrassed when you start crying and then you got in that fetal position start sucking your thumb it was hard to straighten you back out to get the stitches in but we called it <laughs> no <laughs> 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 so, um, what's uh, you, you've you've had some pretty gruesome injuries, so I'm guessing that you're going to just stick. Are you, are you still going to ski and everything when you I go skied, to? Uh, yeah, I I uh, I broke my left leg. If you're bored, look up an S6 um, fracture. That's mainly that ex that injury's 
people that are in a plane crash and they put their legs out to stop or they're on a motorcycle and they put it in a curb. Long story short, I just completely destroyed uh, my left leg from the middle of my knee down. Uh, so that, that, that led to uh, almost an amputation, to a lot of metal in there, to a lot of uh, limits, to uh, 150 days in a wheelchair, 498 days. But Dr. Russell, uh, who's my neighbor, <laughs> anyway, initially he says, no more running, no more jumping, no more skiing. Uh, I said, Jeremy, you don't know me very well. I'll give you two out of three, but I'm not giving up the skiing. Well, so January 18th, 2017, he, he says, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but if you want to go skiing, go ahead. So we put it all back together. We got it all running. And I skied 80 days last year. I was doing fine for January 10th when I wiped out and, and completely destroyed my right shoulder. So that's got one less screw in it than the leg did. But oh, gosh. Christ. It's just, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'll tell you, you, funny you mentioned grateful because uh, 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 as a byproduct of the ski accident, I went from about 52 miles an hour to zero in about a foot. And I hit my head so freaking hard that uh, the head trauma to the day I die, I don't know how long. I couldn't have the lights on, couldn't talk, couldn't read. I wonder what you were like before that if the head trauma is making you goofy now. Good luck. Oh, my God. i tell you what. The doc said don't, don't ever hit your head again. <laughs> you have too many concussions. But anyway, out of, out of all that, I, I was angry. Uh, but I, I would – lash out at those that love you people trying to help you you know and and i, and I was just livid I, I just was so frustrated and i had to laugh steve when you talked about you know you don't you don't know what you would do without your athleticism without being able to run without being able to sport i went to i went from as you know very very active to none wheelchair you talk mm -hmm. about a brain mm -hmm. game now it's how don't tough are you what are you going to do? How are you going to deal with this? But it, I think uh, uh, it's called grit. It's called uh, I can. I can deal with this. If, and then I got to the point where I thought, if this is bad, I want to know misery. I want to know it's bad, bad, bad. And I found misery. And uh, we worked our way back out of it. So, yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. So I've had enough, enough injuries to go around. But uh, I think in the middle of all that, uh, I thought I learned two things gratitude. You better say thanks for the people that help you and Sue I would lash out at Sue and Joe and people because I, I couldn't stand up I couldn't do anything and they would try to help and I'd be pissy about it, you know Yeah, so now I'm at my son-in-law's graduation from um, Rush Medical Center. He's an orthopedic surgeon now. God bless him and uh, the doctor gives the speech and, and the, the short version he's talking about people that succeed the best that survive because the surgeon is a you know you're making life or death decisions here if we make a bad decision now eh, you know the guy's return isn't that good or his credit card doesn't go through the machine but here a guy dies in in dave's world so uh he said the people that do the best in that and and mind you i'm on crutches i'm pissy uh, i just dave invited me for some reason i thought i'll go anyway the guy says the people that do the best, they don't worry about the past because you can't do anything about that. And they don't really worry about the future. You can't you can't control it. But you can control right now. And if, if you are able to find peace right now in this in the moment. And I thought, Steve, I thought that guy was talking to me. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I went, you know what? That some bitch is talking to me. He's telling you, Mark, you're surrounded by brilliant people. You got a suit on. What, what are you pissy about? And I, I vowed from that moment forward, I would be grateful and I would find peace in, in this moment with you guys, with the next moment with you guys. But I don't look, uh, and you guys are the same way. I'm confident. You have enough self-confidence to know that whatever the next moment is, it's you can deal with it. You'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I was going to ask you for one piece of wisdom before you left, but you just gave us. I was like, that was about as good as it's going to get right there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is good because it's four 30, which means I have to go. Oh no, we're going to the gym. What's that? Where are you going to the gym? You can lie to me, make it up. I'm going to pick up my son. Oh, that's even better. My son. I have a 15 month old boy. So I got to go pick up my son, get him fed and then bring him back downtown in the next hour for a board meeting. You're set. Oh, how old's your son? 15 months old. Whoa. Yeah, little guy. Oh, that's so. right. We got a granddaughter, Lila's 18 months old. Oh, yeah. So oh. you you're, you uh, are getting a, a reminder of what it was like. Yeah. Oh, my God. Hey, Steve, Ben's got a little girl. Yeah, I ben see that. About two months old now, Paige. Oh, wow. Two months. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my God. Am I the most dangerous grandpa on the planet? I said, wait, get them little bastards big enough where they can run around. I can play with them, man. Then you just leave with me. Oh, baby. Oh, they'll, they'll get some dents and scars. And I'm sure they'll like it coming out to the lake and having a good oh, time. Oh, yeah, yeah, they will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know well, hey, we, um, we appreciate the crap out of you, Mark. Um, oh, I, can, I can stand and build it with we'll you. Do, we'll do a part two. Yeah. I would, I would, you know, if it does any good for you guys, great. But, God, you know, keep up the good work. I've listened to your podcast. I give you a lot of credit. It's amazing stuff. So, but if, thank yeah, you. Thank I'd, you. I'd love to do some more of it. I'll tell you, there's a couple guys out there. You and I talked, Steve, about that in the area there. My buddy Rupal, I think he holds five Guinness Book of World's Records. And he's, he's a 12 time Ironman. He's right here in town. He's a chiropractor. He's a gas. Where at? Right here in Wausau, Steve Rupel. Google oh. Google Guinness Book of World Record gravy. He holds the world record for sucking down a quart of gravy the fastest. <laughs> you want to vomit? Watch that one. <laughs> oh, my God. Your stomach yeah. will get queasy. Yeah, anyway. Well, no, that'll be good. Record. We'll have to get a few more people on. It sounds like there's some good Warsaw connections. Yes. Well, we've, Warsaw. Or you guys can just Warsaw. Warsaw. You've seen it wrong. Is that Mark. like cock, too? Cock sucker. It's yeah. uh, awesome. So awesome. we're going to sign off here, but you're not going anywhere yet. So hey, thanks for listening to this. Uh, until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other. Boom. I am bone rise up, ting ting like glitter and gold. I got fire in my soul, rise up, ting ting like glitter.